I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, thank you for listening. Uh, I love doing this show and I love talking to fellow actors, especially ones that I've never met um, before. It's, It's really fun to be able to meet peers and people that I've watched um, on screen and it's just fun. So thank you for listening and supporting the show. It really means so, 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 so much to me. Today on the show, we have Diane Robin. And Diane is one of those fantastic actors that um, has been working for so long and has created such a beautiful career. She's done everything from Who's the Boss to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids to Malcolm in the Middle Uh, She was on a great series from Gary Marshall called Angie, and she's in one of my favorite films um, of all time. So I was so excited to talk to Diane. So here's my conversation with Diane Robin. And welcome to the show, Miss Diane Robin. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Annie. Thanks for coming on. You know, I um I feel like I have seen you on screen my entire life. You have had oh. <laughs> you had such a wonderful career. I mean, oh, thank you. It's it's wild to me. Um, 
because I was looking at your IMDb before coming on this talk with you, and it's just so cool to see, you know, the TV credits that you've had span from like Who's the Boss to Desperate Housewives, right. and that's just it just shows such a fantastic longevity that not a lot of actors can say they've accomplished. Yes, especially when you lie about your age. <laughs> you do the math. It's like, well, wait a minute. Was she 10 when she did that show? Yes, I was 10. Uh, yeah, it's been a journey, but it's been fun. Yeah, I um, I was looking again at your IMDb and I saw that you were in um, one of my favorite all-time movies, Adventures in Babysitting. Oh, wow. Yes. I was very good friends with Deborah Hill. In fact, I got married at her house. And whenever she'd have a script, she'd say, just pick the part you want. You still have to audition for it, but read the script. And there was nothing in there except for a nurse. I said, oh, but I still want to be in this movie. So uh, we shot it in Canada and it became like a cult classic. I mean, everyone loves that movie. And Elizabeth Shue, how gorgeous is she? And she talked about gorgeous forever. Yeah. She's great. And Bradley Whitford in that too is so freaking funny. Yeah. Um, It was a great I I love that movie. One of my favorite things is when she when she goes, "Don't f with the babysitter," and you're just like, "Yeah, get him!" <laughs> because who hasn't been a babysitter? Who hasn't been in that true. position? Where you think, oh my god, these kids! Yeah, it's true. So you know, again, you've had such an extensive career, but tell me, like, how you got into this industry? What was it that made you want to be an actor, and and what was that that start of the journey for you? I, when I was a little girl, I used to sing and dance. I always wanted to be an actress. The first play I got put in was in elementary school, The Wizard of Oz. First, they mm-hmm. cast me as the Wicked Witch. Then, <laughs> about a week later, she said, I think I made a mistake. I think you're Dorothy. So oh. then she cast me as Dorothy. So my whole life, I'm really still not sure if I'm the Wicked Witch or if I'm Dorothy. It kind of depends <laughs> on what day you get me. I could go either way. So uh, then I got a scholarship to the Lee Strasberg Institute, and I was only 14. And at that time, I was the youngest person ever accepted in the adult program. So I went to Strasberg. I studied with other people. I did theater. And then I finally got a manager. And I thought, okay, this is it. So she said to me, look, you're new. I'm new. I really can't get you in an audition. I said, oh, that's great. She goes, let's do this. She goes, sneak onto the lot at Universal. Go into a casting director's office. Just give them your picture and resume. And I thought, okay. So back in the day, you could sneak in someone's office. So I got on the lot. I find her office. I get inside. I'm thinking, why does everyone make such a big deal about breaking into show business? It's so easy. (laughs) I hand her my picture and resume. And all of a sudden, I feel this. And I look up. And there's this huge security guard. And he drags me out of the office and throws me off the lot. So I'm in the parking lot and I'm so freaked out. And there was a man standing there. I said, do you want to hear what just happened to me? He said, do I have a choice? I said, no. So I tell him this story. He goes, wow. He said, "Um, do you have an agent? I said, if I had an agent, do you think I would have just done that? He said, I'm an agent. I don't have anyone like you coming to my office Monday. So I signed with him. And three months later, I was on a series. So talk about how weird this business can be from doing something I never should have done. Something ended up coming out of it. So that's how I started. Weird, huh? Oh my gosh. What a story. I know. I know. I can't believe I did that. Back in the day, people used to do crazy things to get auditions, but you can't do that now. No. Yeah. Yeah. Now they have restraining orders. And pictures of you on the lot. Do not let this woman in no matter what. Yeah, yeah. You, you show up in the security system for sure now. 
Yes, exactly. Wow. Didn't, um, I feel like I've heard that Steven Spielberg did something kind of similar where he snuck oh, on – I'm going to have to look it up after this, but I feel like I read something where he snuck on the back of the universe a lot. Like when he first came out here, it sounds like uh, all of the the best people do it. (laughs) I love that. You know, you you want it so much and you don't know when you start off, you don't know what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do. So if someone tells you to do something, you do it. I mean, don't try that now. If anyone's listening, (laughs) what she did. (laughs) Wow. So you said then three months later you were on a series. Was that Angie? Yes, it was Angie. Yes. Okay. With um, Donna Pescal and Robert Hayes and Doris Roberts. It was so much fun. It was back in the day at Paramount where sitcom was like king. I mean, yeah. Happy Days was shooting there. Laverne and Shirley was shooting there. We oh. were shooting there. It was such a cool, cool time to be there. And for some reason, Mark and Mindy was uh, shooting there. And for some reason, we did looping on their soundstage or something. So I went in and all of a sudden, Robin Williams like starts getting a tray and does this whole riff on me as a waitress. And I'm thinking, Robin Williams doing me as a waitress. I mean, I will never forget him doing that. He was such a genius, genius, sweet, fabulous man from the very beginning. Yeah. Oh man. And that, that show was created by Gary Marshall. Is that right? Gary Marshall. Yes. Wow. What a dream. Yeah. It was a dream. It was a dream. And, um, it interesting thing. Most of my life I've been cast as a New Yorker. I had huh. never been to New York ever. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Fairfax and everyone from Fairfax, they thought they were from New York. And at one point I took speech lessons to get rid of a New York accent and I finally said to the man, you know, I've never been to New York. I think I'm wasting my money. I guess this is just how I talk. And he said, yeah, this is how you talk. Just just keep it. So interesting. But I had been a waitress. So that helped with uh, carrying the trays and everything. But it was a fun show and a fun time. And Robert Hayes, oh, Robert Hayes. Robert Hayes. He was so sweet to everyone. He treated everyone like his little sister. And it was just, it was just a magical time at Paramount. It, it really wow. was. I'm so happy I got to do that. Yeah. That sounds like such a, um, it's like, you know, a fantasy almost where it's like something that remarkable happening all at once in one area. It's just, it doesn't happen often. And when it does, it's like a, it's like walking in Disneyland. Yeah, it was, it was a hundred percent that there was a picture and I wish I had it where they took everyone from all their shows out on the lawn and took a picture of everyone. I wish I had that picture because it'd be like, oh. You know, what's really funny is I actually saw a picture of that recently in front of Paramount and I saved it because I thought it was really funny. So if that's it, I'll email it to you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's hysterical. Send it to me. I'm going to. I'm going to send it to you. Um, Okay. okay, So you you do Angie and you're kind of getting into this. What happens after that show? Is it just like going reoccurring? I started doing a lot of... um, after that show, I did a lot of TV. I did a yeah. lot of film. One thing that happened a couple of years after that is a story, which I love the story, um, was RoboCop. Oh, and, so cool. Uh, when I did RoboCop, I didn't really know what it was going to be at all. And my mother used to stay up all night long before she'd go to Europe. And I'd stay up with her packing. And so I, you know, I'm out of it. I come home. They're like, oh, you have an audition right now for RoboCop. And it's always like that. The day mm-hmm. that you think oh my God, what is wrong with my skin? You have an audition. The day your hair is out to here, you have an audition. The day you think, yeah. oh my God, I drank too much. Outside. You have an audition. But you don't have a choice. You're, you know, you get up and go. So I run over there. I read for Paul Verhoeven. And he said, Dan, I love what you're doing. 
but she's on cocaine. I said, <laughs> where does it say she's on cocaine? He said, in the script, Deanne, she's on cocaine. I said, oh, yeah, I better start reading the stage directions because I was so tired. I hadn't read that. I said, let me go outside. Give me five minutes. I'll come back and I'll do it. So we do it, cast me, and I fly to Texas. And I'm working with Miguel Ferrar. I remember Miguel Ferrar is like the sweetest, the greatest, the most talented. And he said, you know, we're doing kind of an intimate scene tomorrow. I'm snorting cocaine off of you. Maybe we should go out to dinner and talk so we feel more comfortable. So I said, great. So we go out to dinner and we're talking. And he said, what do you like to do besides act? I said, well, I like to sing and dance. He goes, oh, my mother likes to sing. I said, oh, that's so sweet. And I pictured like some woman humming in the kitchen. His mother was Rosemary Clooney, one of the greatest (laughs) singers of all time. I was like mortified. I didn't know that. So the next night we go to film and it's Dallas and it's at night and it's hot. And they had got me this very cool green leather dress. It was like being inside of a green cow. Leather does not breathe. I mean, it looked good, but I was like, oh my God, it's so hot in here. So um, you start doing the Coke and everyone always says, um, was it real Coke? And I say, yes, the studio gives you real Coke. (laughs) They just want you to have a good time. No, of course it wasn't real Coke. It was, I don't know, it was either baby powder, baking soda, some sort of combination. Yeah. But if you snort something all night long, you start thinking, well, maybe I am high. Maybe I don't know what this is. So we're doing the scene. Everything's going great. And then Paul Verhoeven says, Deanne, come talk to me. I said, what? He said, the other girl, she keeps hitting the coffee table. You know, when you're running out, when he says, bitches, leave. He said, please help her. I said, I got this. So I went up to her. I said, sweetie, the crew's going to kill you. If you bump into that table one more time, she goes, what? I said, come with me, count how many paces this way, count. You have to clear it. You can't just keep doing this and ruining a shot. So we get through that. I'm thinking, great. Then Paul comes up to me again. He goes, Deanne. I thought, oh, now what? He said, I'm thinking maybe you and the girl should kiss. And I said, I'm thinking no. And he goes, why? I said, sweetie, I said, my boyfriend's going to kill me when he sees this. I didn't tell him someone snort cocaine off my boobs. I said, now you got me kissing a girl. I said, it's it, it just too much. He said, okay, okay, you don't have to do it. And then afterwards, about three months later, I broke up with my boyfriend. I thought, why didn't I kiss her? She mm. was gorgeous. Why didn't I kiss her? <laughs> the movie would have been like such a cool scene. So that's what I learned about that. Anyway, moral of the story. story. <laughs> I hadn't um, really seen it or thought about it for years. And then- there was a reunion, and I took my daughter. She was 15 at the time, and she'd never seen Robocop. Mm. So we're watching the film, and then afterwards, I said, well, what did you think? She goes, well, not every day you see someone snort cocaine off your mom's boobs. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, thank you, Devin. Thank you. I said, well, what did you think of the film? She said, I love the film. And, you know, the theme that you can't kill someone's spirit, no matter what they did to him, he was still there inside. Mm-hmm. You can not you can imprison someone, you can't imprison their mind or their heart. And it just seemed to resonate for years. Mm. So I went to, uh, they had a big reunion in Dallas, and I was there with Peter Weller, and we're signing autographs. And some woman came up to me, she said, oh, seeing this movie changed my life. And I thought, what was your life like before you saw yeah. this film? <laughs> Would you care to elaborate? So they had an incredible screening outside, the biggest screen I ever saw. Hundreds of people there, and they knew every line. 
Wow. And they would say the line before the line, during the line, after the line. It was like fascinating. But I had to go to the restroom. And it was outside at night and everything was closed. So they had outhouses. Uh-oh. So I thought, okay, I'll just surreptitiously, gracefully walk over and do that. So I'm walking by, hoping no one sees me. And I hear, hey, Chandra, looking good. I went, <laughs> So I go to this outhouse and I have my best shoes on. And I've got one foot here, one foot here. I'm trying to figure out what to do so everything doesn't get ruined. And I thought, don't ever forget this moment because this is the business. Mm-hmm. One minute you're signing autographs and the next minute you're in an outhouse. Yep. <laughs> so don't take any of it too seriously. Sometimes it's fantastic. Sometimes it's not so fantastic. But if you if you remember why you did it in the first place, you did it because you love to perform, right. period. All the other things happen. And that's why I think it's so incredible now this new generation of filmmakers where people can write their own independent films and do them and produce them and direct them. And they're not waiting for someone back in the day, you had to wait to be cast for something. Mm -hmm. There's no waiting anymore. And it brings you back to the joy of why you did it in the first place, because you love this business. You love art, you love all of it. Mm -hmm. So that's my little speech on that. (laughs) I love that. And it, it brings up such a great point because it's like, now, and that's kind of how I've felt for the past, you know, 10 to 12 years, I've been making my own stuff and doing my own films and producing things so that I can do the things that I want to do as an artist. But you couldn't do that, you know, 15, no. 20 years ago. No. You couldn't just pick up a even an iPhone now. You couldn't just pick up an right. iPhone and go shoot, you know, a short film or right. get a couple friends together and do something. And obviously there's you know, uh, big things that go involved with it when you're making something bigger and you need to pay your crew and you need to do your SAG stuff and the pension and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. Exactly. But I mean, for people who are, you know, in in Oklahoma and they want to be an actor, it's like easy. Let's just go, just go film something, put something out there. You never know who's going to see what. Everybody has access to everything now. Exactly. Which is fantastic. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. And that brings me to your web series. Strange Therapy. Oh, right, web series? Oh, yes, I oh, do. Yes, you, do. Um, you do. Yes, I did the same thing. I, uh, Long story short, I was going to a film festival with a friend, and he said, Diane, I've invited someone to come with us. I said, oh, I haven't seen you in so long. I don't really want to spend the day, you know, awkwardly talking to someone I don't know. Can it just be the two of us? He goes, no, 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 Diane. He's nice. He's an actor from Italy. I went, an actor from Italy? I said, no one wants to meet an actor from Italy. you <laughs> <laughs> doing this to me. So... <laughs> Anyway, so I meet him. And the moment I met him, we just started doing this. And we just started talking, talking, talking ideas about this and that. Da, da, da. And my friend said, God, I just I just want to shoot the two of you. He goes, it's like souls meeting. I never saw such a thing. So he had an idea for a scene he wanted to do. And I said, oh, I don't mean to be mean, but we don't really do that in LA. We don't just like put up a scene. We don't do that. Right. And he said, please, please, for, for, for me, I went, I just met you. No, <laughs> not for you. I'm not doing it. So then he sent me something he wrote and I said, no. And he said something he wrote and I said, no. And then he sent me something else. I said, you know, wait a minute. If we flip this and he's lying and she's a little crazy, then that would be fun. He said, he said, do whatever you want. I said, I really want to start writing. I'd written before, but I, I stopped. I started, I stopped, I started. And I said, let's write this. So we wrote it. We filmed it in the middle of filming it. We both went, this is a web series. Mm. So he went to Italy Literally, we wrote the whole thing. He was in Bologna. I'm in LA. And we'd write at different times. But so many times, he always says his name is David Reale. And he's a fantastic actor. Just just brilliant. He said, Deanne, I think we share a brain. Because we would write literally the same things at the same time. Wow. The same thoughts, the same this, the same that. And the setup is a therapist loses her license for sleeping with one of her patients. <laughs> <laughs> And then she continues to practice and she figures, okay, now I can tell people whatever I want. So she has one remaining patient, but luckily he has multiple personalities. So she gets to treat all of them. And <laughs> one of them is a porn star who's having a hard time performing. One of them is a man who's who's dressed as a cartoon character and he thinks he's in love with a, a rabbit. It's one oh thing after God. another. But then at the end of the show, you realize everything is not what you saw. There's mm. a whole twist at the end where you go, oh, that's what's really happening. And I always want to tell people what that twist is. And my friends are always like, don't tell them, don't tell them. Don't so, tell them. <laughs> don't tell them. Okay, you have to watch. But it was, I have to say, I've done so many things. It was one of the most fun things I've ever done in my life. We had so much joy writing it, so much joy. We rehearsed it back and forth on mm -hmm. Skype so that when he got here, we could quickly film and we knew everything. And um, it was directed by... Robert Burgos, who is fantastic. He's an actor and a writer and a, a director, and he was just comedy gold. Mm -hmm. And so, so wonderful to work with him. And there was one scene in it where I'm crying, and we were filming at like one in the morning, and finally at one in the morning, I said, I don't have another tear left. I, I'm just cried out. He said, okay. He said, don't cry. He, I said, okay. He said, get him. I said, what do you mean? He goes, get him for everything he ever did to you get him for every tear he made you share just get him mm. 
And so I did it. And of course, halfway through, I just burst into tears, but it was one of the most intelligent directions I'd ever gotten because yes, that makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, we don't, we don't just cry. We don't just laugh. We don't, everything's from a thought. Everything is from whether it conjures back a sense memory, whether it's a a picture, whether, whatever it is, but it all comes from that thought and that thought of, I'm not going to cry for you anymore. You've hurt me too much. It's my turn to hurt you. Oh, I, I just love it. And it was basically, it's a comedy. (laughs) That's the one dramatic part in it. Um, but he, he was just a delight to work with. And then Robert Lesser was also in it. And I'd worked with him in The Relic. Mm. And he's hysterical. So if you get a chance, check out the show. It would make me very happy. Yes. And are you guys still filming the show too? Uh, we wrote season two. Okay. We don't have a film date starting for when that's going to be. But we're, we're ready to go. I would Yay. love, love, love to film it. We have ideas for season three, for season four. <laughs> we like to write. So we'll see what happens with that. That's so great. That's and a lot of fun. For and everyone listening, I can put the I'm gonna put the uh trailer link in the show notes for those listening right now. So go check out Strange Therapy. Thank you for doing that. But I also think, I mean, to actors of all different levels listening to this, it's such an empowering thing to do. Hmm. You uh, you you look at the business so much differently when you're the one who's the producer that knows yeah. you gotta make a decision between getting the shot or getting that, when you realize all, all the elements that go into making a show happen. As an actor, we just think it's us. We're, we're this much of what the whole show is. Right. And when we were getting the crew and getting different people, I said, look, I want to see everyone's work. I said, I can't just hire someone because someone's a friend or they know someone. I want to see everyone's work. And I want to talk to them and let them know this is, we're shooting down and dirty. <laughs> it's going to be a few days. And Gorilla. you got to yeah, because you love it. If you're going to be there and you're going to be texting on the phone, this isn't going to be the right show for you. Right. And um, everyone that was there was, I mean, they would laugh, they would cry. They were the greatest crew. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm a big believer in telling people, if you have an idea, don't wait, do it. Do yeah. it. Now's the time. And uh, it'll make it you is. feel different about everything. And with like, there's so many online platforms now to raise money as well. If that's what's holding you back, yes. there's Seed and Spark, there's Indiegogo, Kickstarter. There's so many ways to raise money so that you can create that and you can exactly. follow what you want to do. It, Like you said, it's, it's so different on this side when you've been an actor for so long to then go and, and produce something and direct something. It's just... It's so different in a great so way different. because yes. then you can go back as an actor and appreciate, not that, you know, you don't before, but you don't know the the long hours. You don't know the long nights. You don't really necessarily realize that even though you're leaving now, the crew still has to wrap out for right. another two hours. Right. You don't necessarily think about those things as an actor if you've only ever been an actor. And so it's and nice to have that that perspective and that awareness. It's a different perspective, and it's a different um, appreciation for everyone on the set. You cannot do it without every person mm-hmm. there is vital to the show. Everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I definitely learned. And then, interesting, after I did it, I got two jobs that happened to overlap one day in filming. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to call the producer. And I said, is there any way you could move this scene over to this scene and da 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 and he said, well, let me see if that's possible. And then call me back and said, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, we'll make this work. Wow. I never would have had the nerve to do that no. before. No, I would have thought, oh, well, it just won't happen. But having done it, I realized it wasn't such a big thing. It could be moved. Mm-hmm. And he ended up doing it for me. So it's empowering. It makes you feel more 
Like you're not sitting back just wondering what's going on. You, you can be part of what's going on. I don't recommend we do this on a daily basis. No, no, don't <laughs> do that on a daily basis. <laughs> it has them to move stuff around, but it just happened to work out in these instances. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just one of those things. Again, it's just like learning how, you know, the other side works is always so important. Exactly. And even when it, it comes to casting, I've, I've told so many actors that I know, and I've said it on this podcast before, you know, everyone kind of hates, you know, they look down on the audition process or they, they get frustrated with the audition process, or there's, you know, a reason why they, they don't like to go into a certain office or something. But at the end of the day, it's like the casting director is not the one who's blocking your career. The casting director is trying to find the best person that can make their job successful. And so it's not all, it's not necessarily about what you, you know, did or did not do in the audition room. It's, you know, it's out of your control really when it comes to that side of things. And that's what I learned too. When I like went to the directing side and started the casting process with my casting directors is like, there were so many fantastic performances. I mean, there were so many great people And it just, it came down to like a sense that I had from somebody, you know, it was just like an essence thing. And it's nothing that another actor could have, could have fixed or done better. It just was that that person just to me was the character. And I've been told many, many times, Diane, you had it the moment you walked in. Yeah. For some reason, whatever my essence is, was what they were looking for for that. Right. You know, auditions can be brutal. I have, <laughs> can I tell you my first audition story? Oh my gosh, let's get into it. Okay. Um, it was at Universal and I was so happy I didn't have to sneak on the lot. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I was new when I was sitting there and I didn't know that some actors think that if they psych you out that they have a better chance for the job oh my gosh the psyching out thing is so crazy it's such a mean thing to do don't ever do that we're all in the same boat sidebar real quick when I was a kid other moms used to do that like to psych out the other children in the room and I would be like and my mom would just be like just put your seat like your headphones on and listen to your cd because it was like you know you got to tune that stuff out but wow The psyching yeah. out is bad. Don't do it, people. They should have a sign up saying no psyching <laughs> out in this room. <laughs> Be nice to each other. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, learning my lines and doing all that. And this woman goes, um, excuse me, why are you wearing that blouse? And I said, what's wrong with the blouse? She goes, looks horrible with your arms. I said, what's wrong with my arms? She goes, you don't know. I went, no, what's wrong? <laughs> what's wrong with my arms? And I think, oh my God, what, what, what is wrong? Why did I wear this blouse? And she goes, how did you get this uh, interview? I said, my agent, she goes, oh, my boyfriend's a director. And I just thought, okay, I'm not going to get this job. I don't look right. Her boyfriend's a director. So they call me in. I do the scene and they said, okay, great. They said, Diane, we just added another scene where she cries. Do you want to do that? And I went, yes. <laughs> and I just burst into tears and I got the job. <laughs> So wherever that woman is now, thank you for upsetting me so much because I was on the verge of tears before I walked in that office. So isn't that weird how things turn out? Wow, a psych out gone bad. Because the truth is, Brian Cranston said it best. He said that he used to go on auditions and he'd sit in the room and think, oh, I just saw him on a show. He'd be great for this. Oh, he'd be great for this. And he'd cast other people before he walked in the door. He said, now I look at it like this. 
I work, I work, I work, I work on my audition. And I look at it like a blue scarf. I'm going in and I'm giving you my blue scarf. If that's what you wanted, you'll take it and it'd be great. If not, doesn't matter. I'll leave. This was my gift to you. Mm-hmm. And the day they're looking for a blue scarf is the day you get cast. He said, you can't take a job from anyone. When it's your part, you will get it. Right. So everyone in auditions room, there's no need to be mean to anyone. Be sweet to everyone. Because you're not really competing against anyone, if that makes any sense. Well, you're no, really not. you're really not. Because it, it goes back to like the essence thing and the thing that you know I was saying before, which is just like, I am not going to be like anybody else in that audition right. room. And no one is going to be like me. We are right. completely different humans with completely different backgrounds and different things within us that make us who we are. And that right. informs our choices in scenes and and our moment before and everything that we do to prepare for that audition is going to be different than someone else. Sure, you can have similar reads, but it's not going to be exactly the same. There's always right. going to be a difference. Right. Well, because if it's a scene where someone's breaking up with you, only you, only you, know what it was like for you when someone broke up with you. And when you're bringing that in, how can someone else compete with it? They can only do their life and their Mm -hmm. story and what they know. And it could be totally different reactions, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. There was another audition I had uh, a few years ago for something for a a Jewish mother in a film called Dating Daisy. And literally, I was in Temple when I got the audition. I thought, oh, I shouldn't (laughs) be practicing in Temple, but oh, I have an audition. (laughs) And I thought, maybe it's a sign. And I had never been cast as a Jewish mother before. So I go in, I read for the part. They said, great. They bring me to callbacks. And I said to my agent, oh, no, 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 no. I, 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 I've just had toe surgery. My toes are all wrapped. I can't go back. He said, Diane, do you act with your toes? I said, well, a little. <laughs> he said, Diane, tell him you had a toe job. I said, that's so obnoxious. I'm not going to tell him I had a toe job. I said, I'll just wear sandals. And hopefully they won't notice and won't ask and whatever. So I'm doing the scene. And at one part, she's begging her son not to marry this girl. And I thought, what's the most manipulative thing a mother could do? I thought, oh, drop down on your hands and knees and beg him. So I get down to my hands and knees and I think, huh, I can't get up. Because if I get up, (laughs) I have to dig my toes into the floor. If I dig my toes in the floor, the band-aids will come off. If the (laughs) band-aids come off, the blood is going to hit the director in the face. And there's a good chance he won't cast me. So I looked over the guy auditioning for my husband and I just slugged him. I said, just stand there, help me up. So he helped me up and the director said, that's when you got the part. Because wow. at that moment, it wasn't scripted. It wasn't anything. It was just real. Right. It was what, how was I going to get up? You know, you don't stop the audition and go, oh, I made a big mistake, sir. I can't get up. But, you know, you just stay with it. And I thought, that's so interesting. Years ago, I worked with Holly Hunter and she said to me, I find that my mistakes on film are my most interesting. Mm -hmm. It's not always the thing you planned exactly. It's sometimes the thing that you're searching for a line and searching for a line, something happens and you're someplace else or someone says something to you and it lands on you differently that time. And it's just not what you planned at all, but it's very real for that moment. And that's what ends up being interesting. Well, and and it's interesting because it's like, you know, that's, that's what makes our regular lives interesting too, is, is the unexpected, the things that you're not planning. Always, That's always, what always, makes always. life fun and yes. interesting and, you know, new and sometimes awful, but it's just, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's how 
we grow as people and to be able to do that within a character is what makes the character then real and relatable and somebody that you want to say oh my gosh been there (laughs) yes yes well because you know as an actress and I'm sure you feel the same way you want things to be perfect Mm -hmm. but nobody cast you for being perfect they cast you for your humanity yeah they cast you when they go, oh, she knows exactly what that's like. She's been through this. She understands that. It's it's That's what people relate to on film. They don't like, oh, well, that scene was perfect. Who cares? It, it's it's something else. Yeah. And um, I'm sure you felt the same way. I never got cast at something where I thought, oh, that really wasn't right. I'm never surprised by it. Most of the time when I get cast, I, I knew when I picked up the script, oh, I understand this. I just viscerally understand this. And I get it. And sometimes you just don't. And you can still go in, try your hardest, and it's not going to be the same as the one that just bit you like a glove. Yeah. It's the ones – and you – there's no really way to – to figure out what's going to be that one either. Like for people listening who are saying, well, how do I know? You know, you don't really know. It's like you read it and you're like, oh, I know how to be this person. I can be this person even if it's completely different than who I am, I right. know I know who it is. Right. Uh, years ago, Jeff Corey said, at the core of every character is you. Mm. And then everything else, you go from there. And and I do sort of believe that. Yes, there's all, you have to stay true to the script and the story and this and that. But if you start with what you understand, I think it's much more honest than trying to figure out what they understand. There's got to be some sort of connection there. Mm-hmm. So it's on the same page. Um a few years ago, I auditioned for a movie that I really wanted because Patty McCormick, you know who Patty McCormick is? It sounds familiar. He was, um, she starred in The Bad Seed. Oh, okay. And little girl, she's after Kevin Moore. She's a fantastic actress. And for, the, for some reason, recently, I've been cast a lot as the mother-in-law from hell. <laughs> oh, man, but that's going to be so know. fun. <laughs> it, it is fun. It is fun. So we were, uh, in one scene, she pushes me down a flight of stairs. Mm. So I went up to the director. I said, you know, I'm not seeing a stunt double. He goes, oh, there's not a stunt double. I said, sweetie, I'm not going down a flight of stairs. He goes, oh, Diane, I'm not going to push you down a flight of stairs. He said, you'll have your hands up. I'll have three guys hold you by the waist. You'll fall back. He said, we'll cut to you on the floor. He said, that's all it is. I said, okay. I picked the three guys. He said, all right. I said, I want their shirts off. He goes, okay. I said, and I want baby oil. He goes, Diane. I said, hey, it's my stunt. Like so we did it and it worked out great. And then one time we did it, I started to fall back. And I said, where are they? He said, Diana, yelled cut. I said, I didn't hear <laughs> I said, I was ready to go back You're and like, oh. So the next time I worked out, worked for the director, um, he threw me out of a plane. What said, is up with this? I said, just look me in the eye. What is it about me that men want to kill? He said, do you want the list? I said, yes, just tell me what it is. He said, I love you, honey. He said, it's just, it just fun pushing you out of a plane. So then I recently did another one um, in Atlanta called Deadly Reunion, but they're probably going to change the title, so it won't be that. And um, I don't want to say what happens to me in that, but there is some blood involved. And they couldn't get the blood off me. Oh, For some I've reason, been there. And so they tried, you know, washing it off. They tried uh, acetate. They tried uh, nail polish remover. Nothing would take it off. And they said, don't worry, honey. We can cover it all with, uh, you know, makeup tomorrow. I said, I'm still kind of worried. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to go home like this. 
So then the prop master came running up the stairs. She goes, here, shaving, shaving cream. I said, now is not a good time to shave my legs. I said, plus I don't need to. I shaved before I came. She goes, no, 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 take it off. So life lesson, it takes off blood. Good to know. So if any of you are doing a horror movie and you can't get the blood off, shaving cream is my um, wow. my tip for the day. Not an acting tip, but a survival tip. <laughs> shaving cream. Uh, well, I've had such a fantastic time with you. I mean, so many great stories and great, great lessons for, for those actors listening. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people find you on social media so they keep up with all of the, the things happening? Oh, how sweet of you. On um, Instagram, I'm Diane Robin 7 and they can find me there. And on Facebook, I'm Me Bella Die. Okay. Yes. And I'm, I'm Me Bella Die on Twitter too. Perfect. So yes, Me Bella Die. Um, But that's so sweet of you. Of course. And everyone should, again, check out that trailer for Strange Therapy. I'm going to put it in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It was just a pleasure to talk to you. And I had a great laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Anytime. Bye-bye, sweetie. Thank you again to Diane Robin for coming on the show and spending her day with me or a little part of her day. I haven't laughed that hard in a while. Those were some fantastic stories. And uh, I had a great time, and I hope you did too. Tune in next week for my conversation with Jacob Hopkins. You know him from the Goldbergs, True Blood, Dragon Rescue Riders, and To Your Eternity. So I was very excited to talk to him about all the things he's accomplished at such a young age and all the things that he has coming up. So tune in then. And until then, you can follow us on social media. Those links are in the show notes. We post some really cute clips from these interviews and you can see us talking face to face, which, you know, is kind of cool. And uh, yeah, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dog about the show. And as always, thanks for coming in. Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.